0: you like just hanging out? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV Podcast. Welcome my friends to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast I'm Matt Napo thanks for coming it's great to have you here as always I really want to tighten up the ending of that uh intro so it doesn't quite leave me hanging so long I get all juiced up with the music I get ready to go and then it leaves me hanging in uh in limbo for about an extra second there we need to tighten that up Uh one of these days we're going to get it where uh these streaming technologies really do match uh, television studio, broadcast studio uh, type of uh, technology where you can do crossfades and things like that. Uh, I could do that with uh, some software as an additional add-on, but then it just complicates things, especially without me having somebody running the board. But we should be able to do that in this streaming technology very soon. Shortly, probably six months or so, I think. Uh, And I look forward to making it a more television-type Um, experience here on the Mind Dog TV podcast. A couple of things. Last night, I joined the Doug Stanhope um, live stream from the Funhouse for his Patreon subscribers, and I'm really sorry I did. It was a really... um, the first one he did about a week ago was really fun. It was a lot of fun. I wasn't uh, on that one. I didn't speak on that one at all. Um, and I just sat and listened, and it was fun. It was two hours of uh, just hanging out in the bar with him and, and Kaylee. Uh, but at some point last night, it, it got a little bit ugly. I mean, to find out uh, some who some of the Patreon subscribers were, it made, I, honestly, it made me feel a little dirty. There was a woman in there uh she had a uh, 12 year old boy with her her son and she drew cock and balls on on the kid's face pointing to his mouth now this is a 12 year old kid uh and this is you know adult stuff doug stanhope humor and not meant for a 12 year old kid so she says the kid wants to tell a joke and and it felt a little awkward like oh i hate when parents try to get their kids to be funny and and perform and stuff and then you have to act like it's good so the kid started to tell a joke and he he said uh how can you tell when a black woman is pregnant and right away uh stanhope shut him down no we can't have racist jokes on here and uh his impulse was to uh have one of the, the ladies who were black in the Chat room in the in the uh, live stream, uh, pull them in and make him tell that joke to a black woman. I was like, that's that's even worse. You're just gonna get get yourself in more trouble with that kind of stuff. But what really saddens me is because Stanhope is and thought of as an intellectual type of comedian, and people know he's not racist. He promotes uh, the opposite of racism. So when that start, shit starts to happen, um, it it makes me feel bad that. First of all, that to know some of his fans are actually that, and to find out how many of them are really um, not that not that smart, not that cool, not that uh, intellectually stimulated. Some of them are actually dumb rednecks, and I, I hate to <laughs> sound like uh, I'm uh, you know kind of generalizing them all, but there were a lot of them in that room, and it it made me feel like, what am I doing here with these people? Uh, So it was a depressing situation for me, because I've been a a big fan of Stan. hope he's been on this program, and I love the guy. I love his uh, comedy, but now I'm finding myself feeling dirty for being one of his fans after seeing... The lot of who his fans were last night. Now, I know there's some great ones in there. I've, I've got some, uh, many acquaintances on social media who are fans of his. But the people who turned out for the live stream, uh, and mass, uh, seem to be a little bit on the low rent side, trailer park, um, racists. Uh, seem to be more of them than, than, uh, I wanted to really acknowledge that exists, especially in his crowd, because as I say, his comedy is so anti-that. So I felt a little um, depressed about it. And now uh, so today, it's a beautiful day out here in, in New York. Uh, it's cooling off a little bit. We're having an early autumn. I believe tomorrow is the first actual day of autumn. Uh, and I'm not sure about that. I have to clarify uh, that. But uh, it's right around this time every year. I believe the uh, uh, autumnal uh, equinox uh, happens. My anniversary is tomorrow. I, that's how I know that we set set my wedding day up for uh, the equinox, and exactly as the sun went down on the 21st of 2008, so tomorrow will be 12 years exactly uh, that I'm married. Big deal, right? Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> my guest today actually called, uh, 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 sent me an email uh, earlier today asking if it's okay to curse on this program and i i, I kind of chuckle at that well first of all it's encouraged but uh we get so many emails about i do about um whether that's appropriate or not because we do the two broadcasts the the business broadcast in the day and the comedy and entertainment stuff at night uh there's often some confusion about that and i've had authors call me up and say yeah i don't think i'm right for your show after listening to an episode where where it might have gotten a little loose with some comedians and stuff and then i have comedians saying uh I, I know i listen to your show i'm not sure if it's okay if i i bring my uh my a game which is Generally, a little bit blue, and so we confused the hell out of them. But I think at the point where um, the girls from Sticks and Stones podcast were on, and we started talking about uh, butt licking on the first date, butthole licking, and micro penis, and and uh, accidental dick picks. I think uh, the the kind of gauntlet was laid down that you know basically anything goes here. Uh, we try to keep it clean when. We know it will be offensive to the guests, but it's not going to be that way today. So I look forward to a very fun hangout today. Now, most of these shows, especially the one o'clock shows have an agenda to them. And I have a, a, some, somebody's looking to promote a book they just wrote or a film or, or something or a business. Uh, solution that they might have. And this doesn't have that. This is, I'm, uh, going to kind of mirror my guest's, uh, own, um, format for his show, which is basically a hangout, a very loose and casual conversation. And we'll get to that in just one minute. First, I want to talk about my sponsors. FunWise Capital, you know all about them. If you, uh, need some business cash, they can help. Their lender matching platform gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. You can apply in 60 seconds or less online, and there's no effect whatsoever to your credit to see how much you can get. Uh, get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business View. And here's the thing, folks. You can get funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You heard me correctly. I said start or grow your business. That's right. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, you can get money, money to get started. And what a better time to get started than right now. Uh, the. Provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on your income, short-term gap funding or bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups, as I mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business or project. To get started, it's really easy. Go to apply.fundwise.com slash dog. Apply.funwise.com slash mind dog. It's just that simple. I appreciate you patronizing my sponsors. Uh, quickly before we get, bring my guest in, I just want to mention Vital C, uh, my Vital C. Uh, dot com slash mind dog. Uh, I had a guest on the other day, Chris Burris, uh, and I hope you uh, caught that program. If not, I'll give you the quick uh, rundown. Chris is uh, a developer of a unique substance, a uh, molecule, actually, that is put into a supplement. It's a uh, carbon-3 molecule, and it promises to extend your life as much as 90% and improve your quality of life now, which, if true, would mean that I'm approaching middle age <laughs> again, <laughs> which would be a good thing if I wasn't in such bad shape. But if it makes me feel better, that's what I really care about. I'm not sure I want to live to be 135, 140 years old, but I'd like to be uh, feeling better and sleeping better and having more energy and all that stuff. And they're going to use me as a trial uh It's been tested. It's been tested plenty, but uh, we're going to test it on me, and he's going to come back, and I'm going to share my results. Uh, I believe that's October 29th. He's coming back. So that should be interesting. But if you go to myvitalc.com slash dog and use the coupon code Mind Dog, you can get 15% off and try it for yourself, which if you want to live longer, if you want to feel better, uh, why not, folks? Uh, it's, It's been proven uh, absolutely harmless. It, it It's, uh, again, carbon that's mixed with uh, olive oil. Can't hurt you. No side effects other than you might have uh, uh, some side effects from the olive oil in, in your uh, bowel movements. <laughs> yes. Okay. And speaking of bowel movements, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, today's my guest is Yoel, and he told me to stay off his last name. I think I, I have seven that much confidence that i can get it right so i'm just going to call him yoel a uh he hosts a podcast uh called yoel's hangouts and it, as i said this is basically going to mirror that we're just going to have a ca- casual conversation about him what he does and things that are going on in the world today and i look really forward to uh hooking up with yoel for the first time because we've tried this uh, several times and both of us have kind of messed up a couple of times, and it's been a struggle to get him on here. So that's why he's here now. Please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Joel. Yoel. Yo. What's going on? Oh, yo. You've been to Philly, eh? Um, <laughs> I was. Out when I thought your name was Yoel. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was thinking, man, you would you would be really confused in Philly because they that's all they say on the on the street, they, yo yo, and you yo, probably be turning around. That's like, some yeah. East Coast stuff. I, I man, I, I'm over here. I've been
1: West Coast my whole life. I haven't heard too much of that. Like people are very reserved over here. They don't want to talk. You know, they don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. You know, that be what, dumb. what part of the West Coast? Uh, so I primarily grew up around Portland, Oregon area, but right now as of like two years ago, I, I'm in an LA.
0: Oh, LA. What brought you there?
1: Um, my podcast, man. I, I really want to, you know, do it full time, you know, be a big big dog like you, you know, that that would be that would be a a, a super dope thing. I mean, it's something that I really, really enjoy, but also business I have a small media company I like to design clothing I have a little uh, clothing line um yeah uh what else am I doing yeah podcasts
0: obviously yeah so bringing the LA to hope to get better guests because you 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 plan on doing live guests in the room uh not these remote (laughs) crap that that they got me doing
1: 100 percent. yeah the COVID kind of like
0: defeated the purpose
1: of me moving down here but I'm (laughs) I'm in too deep I signed a lease like I I'm not going anywhere
0: Uh, You know, as a lot of people are fleeing L.A. right now, not because of uh, so much the lockdown and stuff. I know um, it's been rough for a lot of years, but the taxes situation in California is is absurd. And it's it's just, you know, it's getting very weird to to be there. But uh, have you have you made a lot of contacts in the the entertainment industry? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I I don't want to name drop, but it's definitely like um,
1: it's. If you're, you know, relatively not like snaky or, you know, people can feel that if you're like, you know, kind of fake or like, you know, you're trying to just like get ahead or whatever, you know, people can kind of feel that vibe from you. For me, it's just like, you know, you meet someone and then you meet someone through someone. I've always been the type of person like, you know, coming with the open heart. If something happens, something happens, if it doesn't. And, you know, I'm I'm blessed to, you know, be in a position where, you know, I do have those contacts. But, you know, the first I've only been here like a year and a half that first year, man, like I was just trying to get my feet under me. So I really put, you know, the podcast, you know, in the back burner just to kind of like, you know, make money and, you know, just to like survive because it's as you were kind of getting to it is not cheap out here you know not only taxes but you know rent and you know i could go on and on so right well
0: taxes play into why your rent is so high because the landlords are 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 just taxed to death and they're going to try and make it back off of you so it's all it's all one thing i mean really it's it's uh to to live out there the expense of living out there is you know and to be honest the land uh, of California it wasn't meant to be lived on. We've kind of had to re engineer the, the, the West Coast to make it so that you get enough water and all that kind of stuff with the Hoover Dam and all. It just wasn't. It's like the Sahara Desert, man. It's no, people aren't meant to live there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm coming from Portland. Like, I don't know. Have you ever been to like the northwest?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I haven't stayed there long. You Generally, uh, one every year I would go there for two or three days and stay in a hotel mostly. So I don't that's, know. That's a lot all you need, honestly.
1: <laughs> there's not much to do out there. So I mean, like that is so it's so luscious and like lively and like it rains. So like there's so much green. And then I came down here. I'm like, whoa! Like it is dead out here. Unless you go to the beach. Like the beach is beautiful, but other than that, it's just like dead i don't know how else to describe it it's just
0: yeah dead. so did you have people in la that you knew already down there or because or were you down as a complete loner trying to make friends and new acquaintances a cold no
1: <laughs> so i mean i i did have some like i had a, my best friend was down here i had a buddy from college that was pursuing acting um i had people that were you know trying to do that that thing and are, are doing that thing um but you know I met people through people, which is dope. So I just needed, you know, a couple of buddies down here. And then, you know, I was just kind of like, you know, you meet people, you meet people. And then I also, before I came down here, I made sure to like, I went on Craigslist, went hard. I was like, I am not going to go down there with that, with at least like a job. Like, it doesn't have to be great, but like, I just went ham, like hundreds of like replies on Craigslist. Like, I'm not one of those people that can just you know, show up to a place, you know, I have a hundred bucks in my, you know, those, those stories, I had a hundred bucks in my pocket, wanted that LA dream. I am not that guy. I want to make sure, I want to make sure I have like, at least like, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I want to have something there. So that, you know, I'm, I'm chilling. So, you know, I took up a sales job doing life insurance, which was so hard, was the hardest, the first six months here doing that job and being in a new place, the hardest six months of my life being introduced to hard sales and then you know being in a new city like that was just horrible but you know it taught me so much opened a ton of doors like the clients that i have now with for my marketing company are people that i met through that company just having you know just having the humility to just like you know be like hey this isn't you know the best job on the planet but you know what like i'm gonna do it and try to do do what i can and then you know, once things settle in, then I'll take other opportunities and move up, you know,
0: that that's a rare thing these days that people approach, because uh, we've all had to take a, a shitty job at some point in our life and where, uh, oh, man, it's soul crushing. It's it's really hard. It's not what I really want to be doing. But I got to do it to get through to the next step. Uh And I think part of that is patience, right? I mean, knowing that we Uh, just a quick story that you mentioned going there and you're not one of these people who can just go with a hundred bucks in your pocket. My story is at 14 years old, I, uh, instead of going to high school. I got um, a friend to take me to the airlines. I, I'm from New York, and uh, I went to Eastern Airlines in New York and flew to Florida uh, to go a one-way ticket. Uh, so I had $128. One-way ticket was $99. I went to the airport, and this is at 14 years old when they would let a 14-year-old buy a one-way ticket, no questions asked, cash down, cash money, no luggage or anything, not just the clothes on my back, and now I got $28 in my pocket, and I to go to florida to live and and support myself and put myself through high school uh with 28 dollars in my pocket not knowing anybody there. i knew one kid who was who lived in a trailer park in orlando and told me about or near orlando told me about what it was like so i'm one of those people who are just insanely risk-taking i me. have so many questions i have
1: so <laughs> many questions first of all what led up to that like who like why is that okay like i did was that you or was that like a parents thing or like what happened like
0: well, now you really—I got to get on the couch uh, you, if you're going to be my psychiatrist. Well, um, yeah, I, I, if, only if you're comfortable, obviously. No, no, no. I've talked about it a million times on this podcast. My father was a, a degenerate gambler and a bookmaker and mobbed up, and so living in my house was insane. He was a compulsive gambler, but as a bookmaker. When you have a good week, you're rich. And when you have a bad week, you're poor. And that, and, and if you have a father who's got a temper and emotionally reacts to all that stuff and he's a compulsive gambler and he's a very strong man and a crazy temper, um, the house can be a crazy place to be. So I came home from uh, high school one day in both my uh, ninth, ninth grade uh and both my parents were in jail the fbi had raided my house they had a wiretap on my phone and they uh, arrested both my parents my mom because she took phone calls uh, that where people called the house to make bets so they took her as well so they mm-hmm. were both in prison so uh in jail and waiting trial and i went home in my crazy brother was there uh, who was also kind of on the criminal side at that point and he was going to be the one to be looking out for me and he was just a madman, drug addict, crazy person. So I said, you know what? Maybe I'd be better off someplace else. I I really want to go to Disney World, and that and they were just building Walt Disney World down in Florida, and I wanted to go there and work. So <laughs> wow. I I said, you know what? It can't be any worse than what I'm. Going yeah, I was, to. Gonna, I was <laughs> just gonna say that. That sounds like man. That
1: sounds like the least risky thing you could have done at that point in your life, <laughs> right?
0: But so I I yeah, so I went to Disney World, got a job on Main Street. In, in in the magic shop on Main Street, interning. Uh, I think it was I get like two dollars an hour or something, and that was big because I think minimum wage at that time was a dollar sixty five. So I was like wealthy uh, uh, in my mind, and I got a trailer and I lived in a trailer. But myself through high school, but when the FBI raided <laughs> raided Disney World to find me because now I was a missing child. Uh, oh. They they found me and they basically. Disney World doesn't doesn't like to have that the FBI come, <laughs> right. come on. So I got fired and then I went to picking oranges uh, as a migrant worker, with migrant workers, and putting myself through night school, which was it would help for a 14 15 year old kid of course (laughs) so yeah so now you you have more questions i bet but no uh let's No, i mean (laughs) that was i needed that though i would have gone crazy
1: i wouldn't have not been able to move on if you hadn't told me that
0: yeah i I, I have
1: enough now to feel to move on
0: i would i would (laughs) recommend listening to my uh podcast with the girls from sticks and stones because they were like is that story true (laughs) <laughs> did you well, just make, you that, make up? that up yeah <laughs> no. what's, the, what's the motive for you to make that up no that's just part of my life and i have a million crazy because growing up in the family right. that i did it was it was nuts you grew up in a very stable uh <laughs> household to you yeah yes. it's all relative right compared to you man i was in heaven i was right. in peace Right, but so you weren't born in this country, though. You were born uh, overseas, and you moved to this country. What age did you move to this country? And, and tell us a little of your backstory.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, I was born in Israel. Um, I lived there till I was about seven years old. Um, I'm Ethiopian. So my both my parents grew they grew up together in Ethiopia. My mom's side is Jewish, um, Jewish Ethiopian. Uh, it's called Beta Jews. Um, and then in the '80s, as um, I think Israel was being formed. I think that's when they're formed, right? Yeah, I think so. Hopefully. Um, there was a big migration of Ethiopians that were taken, Ethiopian Jews that were taken to Israel from Ethiopia. My, my family, my mom's side of the family was one of those families. And then my dad ended up following her to Israel. He got a job there. My sister was born. Um, and then I was born. And then, yeah, when my sister was 10 and I was seven. Uh, we moved out to uh, to Corvallis, Oregon, and my dad went to uh, Oregon State University to get his second master's degree in uh, uh, horticulture, I think, tissue culture or horticulture, plant, plant, re- plant research. Um, so he finished that up and then graduated, and uh, we've been in the Northwest ever since. And I just recently moved to
0: L.A., so I had to give you the whole spiel. Wow. So I, I guess the reason you, you went to Oregon is because your father got accepted into the, the university there. That's yeah. why you took, they chose that. Okay. Yeah, full scholarship. So it occurs to me because you, uh, because of your skin color and the fact that you mentioned, uh, your, your mom is Jewish, uh, that you uh, have a double-edged challenge in America in that you probably, uh, have experienced some racism. And some anti-Semitism, uh, which is, wow, man, that's, that's like I was fat head. growing up
1: too. I was fat growing up too. Uh, <laughs> like you Can only imagine. <laughs> At man, least you I got it all. You weren't bald.
0: Hey, hey, i I've been <laughs> there. Though I'm getting there. We all do. I'm Ethiopian. We all we all bald very early. All right. Oh yeah. So so do you know anything about the Ethiopian culture? Have you ever been there? You know, yeah. I, I, you've been there. Yeah. So I I
1: went there. I've I've only been there one time. I was there for. Uh, three to three weeks. I think um, it was dope. It was awesome. I have a massive. So I have a bit on my dad's side of the family. There's a lot of us in Portland. Um, so I've been around that culture. Like I speak the language, I'm Harik. Um, and then obviously when I went back there, I learned a lot. You know, through those three weeks, you know, you just learn so much about yourself because of that culture. And you know, you stay. I, my grandma was down there. You know, my a couple of aunts and uncles that I'd never met before were down there. Um, so yeah, I know I know a lot about it. I can speak it a little bit. That's how I speak to my parents in Amharic, a little bit of English, a little bit of Hebrew, kind of like a mixture of it, kind of like our our own little language. Um, so yeah, I I, I do know uh it pretty well. Hebrew though is a little bit not my Hebrew is not very good, but it right. it's there.
0: Mine is terrible. Um, <laughs> let's let's try. I can I can help you maybe. Loisa Goya Goy Clarev. See, yeah. See, I don't
1: even know what, I don't even know what you said. That's how Absolutely. bad my that's how bad my Hebrew is.
0: Nation shall not raise sword against nation is what I said. But um oh, that's, so, that's cool. yeah. Um so get, if can you give me a little flavor of, of how Ethiopia life is different? I mean, I, obviously it's gonna be a big ways, but uh Ethiopian life is different than the US. Do they live in like houses like that are built like suburbs, like we have, do they have the suburbs and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, for sure. So uh Africa, you know, there's a lot of uh, unknowns about Africa. We think of Africa, you know, they're all, all villages and, you know, everyone's <laughs> struggling to eat and, and all that. And I think and, like in the last probably 10 years, maybe 20 years, media has helped a lot in kind of getting the word out of like, Oh, you know, maybe it's not all like that. Maybe a lot of it is, and we need to help them. But um, Ethiopia is, I think, the second big, most populated country in Africa. Um, they, were, they were, the, I think, the only country to never be colonized, too. There's a lot of pride in Ethiopia because of that. Um, you know, obviously, throughout the years, um, you know, the British, the French, you know, I could go on and on and colonize Ethiopia, and we are the only ones, which is something that's very huge in our, our culture and and our history. Um but as far as like life, yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of famine. Um, there's a lot of you know people without electricity, but they recently just uh, created uh, the largest uh, dam in Africa and the seventh largest the seventh largest dam in the world in in uh, in uh, Ethiopia and it's kind of caused a little bit of uh, a war with um, uh, Egypt and uh, yeah, exactly there's a lot of politics in it. Ethiopia, we're just like, you know, we're just trying to get people to have electricity and not die of, you know, these diseases like other people are saying, you know, we've had, the you know, exclusive rights to these, you know, we can't really go into that. But um, it is very modernized in the capital city. However, you know, rural areas like any other country, you know, they're going to suffer from. Um, things that, you know, being part of the bigger city are not going to suffer from. But beautiful country. You should check it out.
0: Come through. I, I wish I could. Uh, right now I can't go anywhere. I'm lucky if I can go to Walmart. Um, so Why's that? Why's that? <laughs> well, you know, it's just all a lockdown. And here in New York, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. I, I had I a gig... As a performer, I had a gig last night, but it got canceled. But the gigs are so ridiculous. We, you play on places that can, like, three football fields long, and then you can only let 50 people in. And, like, that's no wow. place to, to play music for people. M- people need to be together to feel the of vibration of music, you know? It, it's uh, yeah. And even in the comedy stuff, too. I mean, it, playing to a club that meant to hold 200 people, and it holds now 25 people, it's Awkward. just a weird, yeah. <laughs> Awkward. You might as well be trying to do a comedy act like this and you don't hear any r- feedback Real or reference point, yeah. yeah. And you don't
1: feel the energy. There's something about feeling. I mean, this is the first time in billions of years of art. Like, we are not meant to do this. Like, this is not normal for us to be this distant, like trying to operate as if, you know, everything's normal. Oh, you know, we'll adapt. It's like, no, we need to figure out how to, like, make it to where it's back to normal rather than, you know, just being super, you know, distanced and you know we need to be smart we need to think long term this isn't like social distancing is great in the short term but uh, we're, we're social creatures where we need to be we need to feel each other we need to talk to each other we need to see we need to see people's faces we need well, to read social cues i'm
0: glad you went there i'm glad you went there uh because i want to talk about this i have a theory yeah. are you a spiritual person you well i'm very spiritual yes uh well i'm I, I don't know if I am or I'm not, to be honest with you. I, I'm definitely not a religious person, but I question everything, and I, I, I'm looking for answers and universal answers, and I think science and religion are getting closer and closer together. I know that seems hard for a lot of people to believe, and they would disagree with me on that. But where I'm going with this is I think this, you know, when you, if you come down to a... a uh, belief that there really are no coincidences and everything happens for a reason, uh, and I'm not sure I believe that. But if it if that's true, what is the universe trying to teach us in this in, in this example here that we're we're dealing with? I think we're we being prepared for human obsolescence. Woo, well, that's what having, I mean. <laughs> It means that pe- people aren't going to be needed anymore. Although we'll still be here. You're not going to be needed anymore. A robot can do everything you can do and do it better. Uh, whether, whether it, whatever your job is—sales to uh, microsurgery to any kind of thing—we're we're building robots that will replace us all. Yeah, and for sure. but we're not going to be extinct. So how no. do we prepare for life after? Humans are not needed. And I think this is a lot of what we're seeing is okay, yeah, so when stores are not going to be needed because things will be sent to you by robot to, and yeah. delivered to you exactly what you need. The whole universal income idea, where if there's no work, there's not going to be work for people. What will mon- what will drive money then, and what happens to capitalism and 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 the, all the financial structures that we know when humans are obsolete? And I know it's a heavy thought. And I no, I, I love
1: I, it. I, <laughs> I love this stuff.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm trying to figure this stuff out, and I know people are impatient. We're all like, I just wish this would go away. I just want things to be normal again, like yeah. two year olds who I have a, a toothache and I just want it to stop. And you know, it's uh, but it's not gonna just stop, we're evolving into something else. And quick, uh, yeah, quick, yeah, right. It
1: it, it took a little bit of like a poke for things to just like move ahead 10 years. Like what you were saying about the, yeah, like we're gonna get we're already to a place where a lot of these jobs are being automated, a lot of people are realizing the a lot of the money that they're away. Like, people as a business owner, people are expensive. And if you can find a way to do things cheaper and more efficiently with less, you know, lag, you're going to do it. I mean, it, I don't I don't care what business you're in, but uh, it's just interesting when people don't look ahead because business kind of motivates everything. Right. It, it's what dictates our behavior moving forward. So, for example, you, what you were talking about in the universal income stuff like that has to happen for it to not be war in this country. Right. More everywhere. Like this, like unemployment stuff that's going around. Like, if people think that that's going to go away, it's not because, like, these jobs are gone. Like, they're not. Like, people that are on unemployment, they're clearly not "quote unquote" needed. You know, and and with all due respect, with all due respect, and and I say that like.
0: Genuinely, right. I get um, it, <laughs> but, but like, I mean, don't worry. I just as a caveat there, I'll get the hate mail, so don't worry about it. You okay, perfect, can say whatever perfect, you perfect, want. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> okay,
1: awesome. Okay, great. Um, yeah, so I think like this unemployment or like universal income, I think, I think the unemployment people are starting to realize, oh, like you know, uh, Andrew Yang, I think, was talking about it a lot, and people thought yeah. he was crazy, but like you know, people that you know, are really like love business and love like social media technology. Like we see it, but uh, I think right now people are like, oh damn, like these dollars need to be given back to people because these people are not going to have a place in the marketplace and they still need to eat. And we still need to give them money because if we don't give them money, they will rob us. They will kill us. They will do. We need people to not be in poverty for not only ourselves, but just for, you know, human, you know, decency, you know, because these big corporations, they're going to, you know, they're going to be more and more efficient, need to hire less, less employees, make more and more money. That money has to come back to the community because, if, the, if it's not one people won't have money to buy the you know buy their shit but also just like for you know human safety human
0: decency right and uh, you know i think the universe speaks to me specifically sometimes and that's i know that's a, like a sign you might be a little bit uh, uh mentally ill but <laughs> before i um couple of years ago I, I i guess from 2016 to about 2018 i worked in the packaging industry in automation and basically we we're building robots that package food and stuff but then it came and so i as a marketing guy i was in a lot of, uh, robotics groups and started learning about robotics and all uh, in every industry, not just packaging. And so we were building robots to package food and, and pa- and take those packages and then, uh, deliver them and put them on trucks and, and basically drive the trucks robotically and deliver the, this, the goods robotically. But then it got to this point where I started seeing robots being built to build robots and i said well this is the point that we're at the tipping point and that was 2018 and i i walked away from that industry thinking we're at the tipping point where human obsolescence is uh is ready to hit us and then this lesson uh when this first happened i had a gig on march 13th in a restaurant and we ended the gig and the three of us uh, had a gig the next weekend and we were talking about it and we, and we got the news that the lockdown was starting the day the morning after and we just figured okay it, it will pass and we'll still have the gig next Friday we just thought it would last 5 days or 6 days yeah. and then when it became apparent that this was going to be a long-term thing i started looking at well what does this really mean and and mm-hmm. how and what does it mean to all of us and how we deal with each other mm-hmm. and And so uh, you know, spiritual
1: reason, I think. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, like not to not to cut you off, but yeah, like I think that this is the time. You know, even with the all the Black Lives Matter stuff, like all of these things that have kind of been repressed by us, um, we're kind of forced to quarantine and reflect and address them directly because you have all the time in the world now because you know you're in lockdown, right? Um, I think that's part of it. I think that it it it's. It's general neglect of addressing things that should have re- been addressed before. Not only when it comes to race, but also when it comes to business, also when it comes to technology, also when it comes to automation stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, like I think there, this is a t- this is a tipping t- a tipping point for people. Right. This is a point for people to reflect on all areas of their lives and be like, "Am I going to be the one that adapts?" and uses this as an opportunity, or am I going to stay blind and, you know, be a victim to what's about to happen? Like for me, my, my philosophy has always been, cause you know, I, I've been blessed enough to think about this stuff early. My, my mentality has always been, well, let me try to get good at things that are going to take a very long time to automate. So, you know, arts, you know, sales, um, you know, things that require human touch, those things are things that i really really needed to develop because i knew like you know there there will be a time when those things do go away but i don't think anytime soon if, if it's a complex product you want a human there in front of you or it's a, if it's an expensive product you want a human there in front of you right. and the, as far as arts we can't even dial down what it means to be an artist or define it let alone you know try to package it and automate it. You know what I mean? Or like produce it with the machine. Right. So right. those are two things where I'm like, okay, like if I get good at those two things, or if I, you know, double down on those, those things, you know, I'll, I'll be okay in the marketplace. Right. And these are conversations that we really need to have because time is starting to kind of progress.
0: Right. And Speed they, up, and, accelerate.
1: And, it, and, it, and it's exponential. So, know for me i'm just trying to put myself in a good position and also you know the people around me people i can talk to i'll be like hey like i don't know everything i'm young you know but i've been looking at this stuff and you know this is how the future will most likely be based off of past behavior based off of where things i mean if you go to silicon valley these things are already happening but it takes you know for things to it goes from silicon valley then it comes to LA, New York, and then and then there, LA, New York's a little maybe like five years behind, or like five years ahead, and then Silicon Valley's like ten years ahead, and then it goes to the rest of the world. So uh-huh. my thing is like, okay, what is Silicon Valley doing? Where are they at? You know, and then you can kind of prepare yourself ahead of
0: time. But it'll never reach Amarillo, Texas. I guarantee that. Um, <laughs> I, I bring Some places
1: that- are in the dark, man. <laughs>
0: Like, there's still, you know, I, I respect that,
1: though. You know, they're hunting. They're just getting uh, their food from the yeah, land, you know? but
0: some of it is so backward. I, I, I'll tell you why I brought up Amarillo, because, uh, again, I'm a Doug Stanhope fan, and and, and yesterday I was watching the Burt, Chrysler podcast, and um, they were talking about a comedy club that w- was extremely racist in in um, Amarillo, Texas, and and Doug Stanhope had had some dealings with them, and he wrote a blog about it in two thousand four, two thousand five, when this situation happened, where uh, in the guy's contract it basically said, you know, it was full of N N bombs, and you you would love it be having <laughs> because they were also it said, you know, ends and 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 you oh, know. Man yeah it was basically uh everything it didn't say anything everything. about fat it didn't say anything oh, about it. fat kids so yeah you can't touch me unless you say all three i won't feel uh, it i'm still so uh, numb <laughs> right but but so the point was it brought me back to 1978 i played in a, in a, a club in in amarillo texas because i was going to college with new mexico and you're gonna have more questions about this so but uh and I, I was in this club, and it was half music, half comedy type thing. And there was a black comedian up before my band was supposed to play. And the audience was bombing him with end bombs like boom, boom, boom. Jeez. And he had to sit there and smile and take it. I felt so bad for the guy. And, okay. and the, the club owner was not doing anything. So this guy, it, just out of his, you know just calculated the sheer numbers here i better take this because if i say anything back i could probably end up getting killed because wow. it's it's you know it's just a real racist everybody it's just a bunch of uh, a lone black man taking abuse from a room full of angry white racists and he has to take it because he knows he's basically there alone uh, and two of the girls singers in in my band, the backup singers, were black. And I said, "Well, we're not playing here." And I, and I pulled out of it and, the, and ended the gig and walked out. And but we were, we had to wait for him to get off stage to take our equipment off stage, which was set to go up right after him. And so the owner started a fight with me. And he basically wanted to. He said he was and simultaneously wanting to kill me or sue me for not playing the gig. You better get your back back on there. And I was like, "I'm not put, I'm not putting these girls through that same kind of abuse." because I will say something and then we'll all end up getting killed. (laughs) We need, we need,
1: we need people like you
0: you to not only stand up for
1: just pure racism, but just hate in general, man. Like that's horrible.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for that. But the point I'm making is it was 19, it, it was 1978 there, but it still felt like 1865 or That's even true. before. And it's still that way today. It hasn't it changed or evolved that much. Somebody sent me pictures of Portales, New Mexico, where I went to school. It still looks like the early 1900s. It hasn't changed. It, technology hasn't touched that part of the world. And so there's some good things about it. the technology hasn't touched it. But the evolution of understanding, spirit, yeah, yeah, right. You. There's still yeah. a bunch of racist and that's and not just racist, It's just hate and for in general intolerance, in, in in a lot of ways, you know, religious and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Just backwards, and I think that's that's a dangerous place to be, where you know we're not growing. Uh, nearly enough and i know you know we can say well urban areas it, it, we become there's there's a lot of racism in new york too especially in new york city that is more, more um racially diverse than any other city in, in in the country there's still a lot of racism and racism and hatred sure. in there so a little know, more
1: hidden i feel like maybe
0: you, maybe it, I, i've it, never it,
1: been to new york
0: new york yeah so it, it's subtle it's yeah. really really yeah. subtle and i'll give you a, 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 my take on this whole um denial of of white privilege and i know i, I want to ask you what black privilege means because i saw that listed in one of your podcasts and i was like what mm-hmm. the hell what the hell is that but a lot of boomers my age, the 60s 50s 60s and 70 year old white people in this country uh are in denial that white privilege exists at all they want to point to well slavery ended in 1865 yes yeah, by law but that didn't mean it really ended and the jim crow laws only took effect in 1968 and just because something becomes a law doesn't mean it's naturally enforced so uh, there has been white privilege and it continues to be but they are in denial about that but yeah. the reason and i i people will reveal deep truths to you if you let them. And so Mm -hmm. I talked to some of my friends who I've known all my life who hold these uh, racist opinions and racist ideas who don't necessarily have dark hearts but don't know why they're holding on to this stuff. And it comes down to the honesty that comes out of them is black people don't want equality. They want to be on top. Well that's human nature. If you've been on the bottom, you want to know what it feels like to be on top. So you can say that some black people might want that. It might be absolutely true, but the hidden truth in that the, the subtle truth in that is recognizing that we've been on top. White people have been on top and they've been on the bottom. So you're actually in that, acknowledging that white privilege exists because you don't want the roles to be reversed well why does that scare you because you know you've been up here for all this long and you don't want to give that up so the
1: logic's only there if it's convenient right right
0: (laughs) so yeah that's my truth on this whole thing is that a lot of white people like me my age are afraid of losing what they have Look,
1: I think um, I think it, it is that, but also, you know, people want to feel like their efforts and their progression in life uh, is validated based off of their merit rather than maybe the circumstances of, you know, their skin and the benefits that that's provided them throughout their lives because they're white, right? We can say that. And I think it is also the, you know, well, that you know, they just want to be on top. It's like, if someone's ambitious and they happen to be black, Yeah, like they want to be like, if I'm in a business setting, if I'm in a corporate setting, if I'm in an artistic, like, I want, I want fair play. I don't want to win by, you know, charity. I want to, I want to win. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really understand the whole notion of like, well, you know, they just want to be on top. They yeah, because people want to operate to their temperaments. Some people want to be on top. Some people want, you know, just peace. Some people want to not be called the N-word. Some people want, you know, some people don't want change and in they're in their black. You know what I mean? Like People are different, but the, the biggest thing people want is is at least a fair starting, starting spot. And I think that's all people want. And then they say, okay, let's do a fair starting spot. And even if I am an ambitious person and I do want to be on top, at least I want to start at, at the same spot so that, you know, I'm provided the same luxuries as, you know, my fellow citizens. Right. Right. Um, I think like, you know, I think that comes from a, a place of insecurity saying, well, if we make it equal for them, you know, they're just gonna, you know, they're take gonna, the they're gonna take over the world. <laughs> they're gonna, you know, this and that. And, you know, it, I, and I think that fear comes from, uh, You know, people are kind of temperamentally uh, fear fearful of change. So people, if people see change, they just assume the worst, right? Yeah. So I think that comes from that. Uh, But you know, there's bad apples. There's people that say, "Oh, you know, I'm black and I hate white people. I want, I wish they were off the planet. I wish." It's like there's bad apples in every race. But the general thing and the people, the thing that we need to focus on is how can we make things less like excuse my French, but shitty for black people in this country. Because right now, you know, as far as the totem pole goes, you know, black people are not given the benefit of the doubt of intelligence, of competence, of, you know, work ethic of, you know, the list can go on and on. And, you know, that's even just social stuff. We can talk about, you know, systemic things that um, black people are suffering from. You can really go on and on. So I think the biggest thing is, you know, let's just make things equal, make things peaceful, because at the end of the day, like, black people are humans and if humans are not provided things um equally fairly and uh, you know it's gonna be worse rather than it gets better you know yeah. what i mean And not only from a violence perspective but also just quality of neighborhoods and quality of life like right do you really want do you want there to be ghettos do we want no. that is that That's a desire expensive. even for the rich people do you want to do you want to call your daughter and be like hey don't drive through that neighborhood like that makes no like logical sense to me i'm like if you want it, you should want a better life for everybody because it makes a better life for you. That's I don't know a, why people just don't cities. get
0: that. I, I, I think you, I need, I, I hope you get a, a loud, uh, larger voice with your podcast because that was very that. A, articulate way of putting it. And I don't understand why people just don't get that. Well, I mean, and listen, I, uh, und- people
1: operate off of fear. People, primarily the people that you were talking to, they are scared of change. When you are scared of change, you are scared of a lot of things you assume the worst. I mean, the country has been so racist, so mar- like marginalizing to this group of people for years. I mean, I'm coming in kind of fourth quarter. I'm a right, when right. I was seven, my family came here when I was seven. Uh, so for me, I'm chilling. Like, I, I mean, I and that kind of goes back to black privilege where I was saying like, I have a privilege in my position. Yes, I'm black, I live a black life, but I have not suffered from the systemic decade over decade of just, oh, just poison right, and yeah. we're, and we're not, even, we're just talking, I mean, I'm just talking about the recent history. You know, they, we don't have records. I mean, we do, but not as much of like when the slaves came over, how they were treated, how that's manifested today. You know, I'm, I'm in a blessed position. My ancestors did not have to go through that. I right. have black privilege that goes to, to my podcast a little bit, but um, yeah, man, like it's, it's, it's very sad. I think, people need to be more open to realizing that how the depths and the how deep and how rooted the problem is for black people that have had you know have had uh, ancestors that are slaves and then you can kind of unpack okay they just want equality they just want a a fair starting point yes there are people that are evil that are that want white people to die yes there are people that don't want change of course like am i like am i like gonna speak generalities no
0: Right, but, yeah, yeah, but even in those people, and I see I know black people who are just dark hearted um and want revenge, and well i I do know people like that, but they go to in, jail. you gotta understand the psychological uh aspect of of knowing your people were treated this way and you and you're expected and some pe- some of them in ghettos you're right, and we 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 built these ghettos, and if you're a black kid growing up in a ghetto, you've been taught. That you're going to be treated this way since you're a baby, and you see uh, you you look around the world and you see it. Of course, you're going to be filled with hate. That's just going to make you angry. There's so no
1: hope too. So you're right. going to go to
0: violence. So even when I see somebody like that, my first is like, "Wow, this guy's really mm-hmm. full of hate." But then you kind of have to take a step back and say, "How would I would how would I be if I was raised in those same conditions? I'd probably be as angry as him." And I think uh, so. The natural as a, a white boomer, I, I love I love calling myself a boomer for some reason. But as a white boomer, I, and grew, who grew up in this world where it, it was safe to say the n word, we we you know mm-hmm. it was safe. Uh, you know, it's just like, okay, it's just a natural way to, to go through life. If you grew up in that in that world, you feel like uh, your natural reaction when you see somebody angry is like, look at this guy. He just wants to kill me, and I didn't do I didn't have anything to do with slavery. I didn't have to do anything to do with systemic racism. That wasn't on me. That was on my grandparents or people I didn't even know, even, not even my grandparents, other people, white people's grandparents. Yeah. And so you look at it, but then you have to kind of have that understanding of, what if I lived his life? What if I walked in, uh, in his shoes? What if I had the upbringing? He, how would I be? And damn right, I'd be fucking angry, man.
1: I'd probably handle it worse than, you know, I, I, me as someone that's African rather than quote-unquote black. I mean, I'm black too, but people get really like, <laughs> <laughs> in the black community, it's very territorial. With oh, me. yeah, I, yeah. I'm African technically, wasn't even born here, so am I black. But, uh, you know, so... It, it is like you have to have that deeper understanding, and also like you have to realize like even if your grandparents didn't do it, you're still benefiting off of uh, you know slavery and the circumstance that you're in. Um, if you're a wh- especially if you're a white male, uh, but you know that's the lesser of things. I mean, we could go deep into this. Like, there's some you know,
0: yeah. bad. it's bad. Yeah, it's yeah, so bad. Uh, yeah. That whole thing that you know, I I wasn't part of that. It doesn't mean you st- you're not. Uh, reaping the benefits from it—that's yeah. absolutely, absolutely true. Uh, and again, it's, it seems like common sense, but you know, I think you're right. Fear gets in the way of common sense a lot of times. Mm-hmm. If, if people, re- yeah. So, but you're now getting back to you and your your podcast. There, it's it's listed as a comedy podcast, but you do get into some deep <laughs> deep. Com- I haven't been very funny today. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, you, you, you have, especially when you called shitty French because I think that sounds English to me. But um, uh you, you talk about some heavy subjects on the podcast, yeah. even though it's it's listed as comedy. I you have to pick a, a category and I'm in comedy interviews too, but half the stuff I do is not comedy or at least half the stuff I do. Uh, mm-hmm. What kind of, uh, well, how do you decide, you know, well, this is this week's show. Uh, this is who I'm going to have on. These are the kind of things we can talk about, or you just free wing it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there is uh like, it's actually more systematic, I would say than most people would think in certain areas. Right. So uh, for me, uh, it's comedy, but it really depends on the guest. You know, like it, I, if we're ta- if we're touching something serious, I'm not going to joke just because. Oh, it's a comedy podcast, and it's been five minutes without a joke, and we're talking about something serious. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. throw a joke in there and just like you know throw it off. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> From yeah, but I'm not that way. I've had yeah, a- no, I know that's what's, that's what I feel like. This is like this is exactly how uh, <laughs> you know my my uh, my uh, podcast is. But then you know you will have someone where like I have a lot of it's hangouts because I have a lot of my friends on there. Like I'll have like you know special guests and and people like that. But um, the ones that you know are mainly comedic are the ones that you know one I just did with my buddy Jalen, where you know we were literally joking the whole time. However. Probably 20% of it, 30% of it, we were talking about mental health, anxiety, how we've dealt with it, you know, it, and comedy, but thing, yeah, <laughs> and being and we are being very frank. And that's, you know, being very honest and truthful, that can be comedic in, in some ways as well. But we are also talking about, you know, girls, and you know, we're, we're going ham, but you know, we, we can, we can switch it up, which is beautiful.
0: Well, you're in the best place in the world to be in touch with comedians because, uh, the West Coast is still the, the best place in, in, on the, in the entire planet to find active working comedians, the comedy store and, and the improv and, and all those places in LA, uh, where the best comics in the world work for free op doing open mic nights uh, just to, to polish up some new material and stuff so you have access to those people I would think uh, um, you'd, you'd have a gold mine of guests uh, if you especially if you, you find a way to tap into them and get close to them and get make them aware of what you're you're doing to have live in studio guests which is what I want to do once once it gets possible same, you know yeah. uh, do you have a place to, to do like a studio, have you built a studio to do? Live? Yeah, for sure. My so all of my uh, all my podcasts are filmed as
1: well, and I put them up on my my YouTube channel. And we've built a studio in our other place, but I also have we just moved in a new spot, and we we have a studio in the in the garage, and that's where I filmed actually yesterday's one with Jalen, the kind of more funnier one. Um, so yeah, they're they're always filmed. They're always on on the internet. Always on YouTube. So they're super. If you want, if you want to watch, if you prefer to watch it, I try to, you know, I do videography and photography for like my day job, yeah. so like I try to make it super nice, multi-camera, um, just to kind of make it. But you know, Zoom obviously nowadays is kind of the only way to go. So I've been putting them lately off of Zoom with Zoom, which I absolutely hate to be honest. But yeah. I'm gonna do what I can. You know, people like the visual cues, and if you know, you gotta do something, but rather than nothing. So yeah, we have we have a studio. Um, as far as getting guests live, um, it's primarily going to be, uh, my friends, my friends are pretty funny and, you know, I try to make the conversation funny, but, uh, yeah, I'm trying to get more live guests from the area that are comedic to stay in my niche. But for me, it's just like, I like to laugh, but it's also fun. It's interesting to touch on, you know, serious subjects as well. So kind of, kind of what Dave Chappelle does. Like, that's like really like my, um, my, ma- like my, my, like, idol. If you know, right. if I had another idol, if I don't have another idol. God don't hate me, but, uh, yeah. yeah, so, like, he touch he's funny, but he also touches on serious stuff, which is, you know, awesome.
0: Yeah, Dave Chappelle is, is, is just, uh, a unique kind of talent where he can, uh, you can pay to, go see him uh for a, a comedy show and he can only throw in three laughs and you feel like it was actually well worth it because it was it was so part uh and you know people developed that that style in the 70s but it's part co- uh college lecture uh format and and just a little bit of humor sometimes the the laughs are, are just overwhelmingly funny laughs when he does do it but he, it like he more and more he's becoming a philosopher
1: for sure. No, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I mean, great artists are, I mean, musicians, rappers, um, you know, singers, uh, comedians, yeah. you know, they're just, well, I think that's what makes their stuff deep and what makes their stuff rewatchable. Like I've seen all the Dave Chappelle stuff on YouTube so many times because there's so much to unpack in it, you know, other than the surface level laughs, there's like, there's something else there, which is, yeah. you know, incredible.
0: I got a friend who thinks he's going to get Chappelle. or he, he doesn't think so, but he's but he, he's trying to get Dave Chappelle to do his podcast. I like Rogan can't yeah. even get Chappelle. Yeah, I was going to say, I
1: feel like he's like not he's even touchable. I feel like his like son could have a baby and he would be like, eh, nah, I'm good. I'm not <laughs> going up to the hospital.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. like, uh, yeah he, 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 nobody's gonna get him on a podcast. Again, Rogan can't get him on, on uh yeah. how, how is it a regular but I would definitely uh in your shoes and I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just no, saying what I would do it. if I were there. I would so, ha- I would hang out in some of these comedy clubs and get to know some of these people because they will Get you exposure it's not necessarily that I always want to talk to comedians, but the comedians I've had on are Doug Stanhope and Steve Byrne, the two biggest named comedians I've had, each one of those had uh really doubled the size of my audience. Uh, pretty quickly oh, after having them on, which tells me that, you know, that attracts new listeners and those For listeners sure. subscribe and then they'll listen to the other shows that you do that are, are deeper. The other thing you mentioned with mental illness and all these kind of uh, heavy subjects, comedians all want to talk about mental illness. Sure. It's like It's like part, it's like a requirement of the Absolutely. job, it, when, you know, on the job application, you got to list your <laughs> mental illnesses before you can become a comedian. If you're uh, a comedian, you're like you're trying to self soothe. If
1: you're trying to always create a laugh, because you're psychologically maybe not in the most peaceful state. That's why I mean, the the times when are, they're the darkest is when I'm the funniest because I'm trying to like kind of self soothe through some situations. So I know it, it makes a hundred percent sense, man.
0: Right. Uh, So, yeah, I was, I mentioned this. I was on, uh, Stan Hope's live stream last night. One of his fans asked him about, uh, some situation, some foundation that uh, gives charitable charity to starving comedians. And Stan Hope said, Comedians are at their funniest when they're hungry. There is no way in the world I would ever give to that foundation. Wow. I, I want to get. Interesting. <laughs> that makes I sense.
1: Keep... <laughs> I never, I didn't know that was like a publicly known thing because I think about that for myself and like, you know, looking back at my life, I'm like, oh yeah, like when I'm happy,
0: I'm like not very funny because I'm like at peace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, well, God any, forbid I'm at peace. <laughs> anything about the profession of comedy, uh, Stanhope is a. Uh, it's like he's got a doctorate in that because he looks at comedy as like a very noble profession and he he's definitely proud of the life he's lived even though he's a degenerate crazy son of a bitch uh he, he's proud of what it's taught him in the life the road dog part of it and all of that he's achieved doing it so uh he looks at it from all over and he loves young comedians and helping them develop and, and get noticed so um that's he would notice that kind of stuff. And, you know, um the mental health stuff is just prevalent though. And I, I'm surprised to see how much depression really, you know, clinical depression plays into being a comedian and uh suicidal ideology, uh idea ideas. Ideas mm-hmm. what do you call it? Ideatic <laughs> Man, <laughs> I
1: try to stay away from those words and be honest. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree. I think uh, I think, it. you know, everything ties in if you're if you're doing especially like performing in front of people, uh, you know, not only performing in front of people, but comedy, you're trying to self soothe. You want that attention. You want somebody to feel like, you know, you're like something's OK. You know, I was a big class clown for me. It was just like I had so much energy, so much anxiety, so many thoughts in my head that I had to kind of get a laugh or like diffuse the tension that was created either in the room or in my head, you know? So it's interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, so your, your goals are, are more faced on the marketing stuff or, or the podcast stuff? Oh, long, pod- long term.
1: Podcast a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, that's something that is, um, I'm, I'm now I'm settled into L.A. So, you know, it took me about a year to kind of get my feet under me, you know, make a little bit of money. So now I'm like I'm trying to put out, you know, I, I've been starting to put out, you know, three episodes per week. Um, and I'm going to continue doing that, hired someone to hired an assistant to kind of take care of scheduling that for me. Um, I'm really like investing uh, heavily into it. I really like I'm not only passionate about it, but I really believe in it. Um, so i'm super i'm like I'm, I'm all in that's the that's the like not only my passion project but something that you know i i see not only a tremendous upside but you know it's super fun and you know there's a lot of you know cool things yeah. and fun. Yeah, i love that,
0: to talk i love to exchange ideas the it's world cool. is changing and uh you know people don't want all time younger people want but again i'm Going back to the boomer stuff, boomers my age, people don't even know podcasts exist or what or what to do with them and how to use it. But my demographic is actually, my strongest demographic is 18 to 25. And then after that, it's, it's 25 to 35. So 74% of my audience is under 35, which wow. is, is, yeah, for, for an old geezer like me, they're tuning in to listen to an old geezer. And often my guests are old geezers too. So it, it's just funny that, that those people are, are tuning in, but I think they they miss because we're so used to social media delivering this short attention span theater that they miss stuff of substance that where long term conversations where they they can get a little deep and and expand their ideas they miss that kind of content and they're clamoring sure. for it so, 100%. Um, yeah, so what what's your um I don't, I don't want to say plan for, for for this, but where do you want to take the the show? Uh, uh, you know, thinking long term on your podcast, where would you like it to to be, and how would you position it to say be different from what everybody else is doing?
1: <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, that's a great question, and I, it's a good good point you made about um, kind of people like wanting that type of substance. Because I realized, you know, I always look at my be- my own behavior, and then I realize, you know, how like why am I doing what I'm doing? And how can I kind of like, see if I can, you know, express myself in that way. And if it's something conducive to me, because I mean, I'm super into like apps and social media and stuff. But I was never I knew that vine was huge. But I had no, you know, I hadn't I had no desire to like do skits and stuff, even though that was kind of like my age. But then I I found myself like listening to music but i was just kind of sick of listening to music like you know you get apple you, you, it was kind of right around when apple music and spotify were really popping and everyone had unlimited amount of music they could listen to however many times every single artist on the planet so after a little you know you kind of get to the point where you're just like you know you kind of have sensory overload you kind of start listening to the same people and you're just kind of like you know, I need something that's like going to turn my brain kind of on a little bit. I found myself like listening to audiobooks and then I stumbled upon a podcast and I was like, oh, podcast? What is this like all about? I started listening to it, found some really funny ones, really cool ones. And then I was like, you know what, like, this is something that I really see myself doing and something I'm ha- actually enjoy consuming. And I think it'd be really fun, you know, I'll make sure I have someone else there so that I can just talk and like exchange ideas, you know, crack jokes, I can have my homies on. So that was like really the origin of it. And my whole thing is like, if I can do something that I love doing and, you know, make a living off of it, you know, who, who, who doesn't want to do that? But, right. uh um, as far as the long term play, I mean, like Joe Rogan, you know, uh, obviously that's like the north star of you know hosting. Uh, but you know, having kind of like a interview show where, yeah, he's a comedian, but he's not like super funny on the show. You know what I mean? He never like, was. It, even his stand up isn't. It? <laughs> yeah, it's not really like he's not like. I, I agree with you to be honest. I was even a stand up. I was like, yeah, he's funny, but I mean, like, he's not. He's the best host. But he's right. like a average.
0: Not, he's not that like great He's not that great. I like Joe Rogan, but I did a, a video on Joe Rogan's success formula, and it's it's it, he's I don't believe in luck, but he's had a blessed life, and he's taken advantage of some of the blessings that he's had. And I don't mean he was born necessarily privileged. I mean from a wealth perspective, but uh, he's he's been everything he he did in his life uh led up to a place where podcasting success uh in this format would have been predictable because uh he was a champion martial artist as a teenager and got a lot of attention from that right mm-hmm. and then he beca- he started doing stand up Again, he was not not a star, a superstar stand-up guy, and he still isn't. But he got to know a lot of comedians and got into that community. Never had to do the road, road dog thing because he went out to L.A. and immediately was cast in a sitcom. So yeah, on that... That sets you up financially so that you can do the things you love to do. Go out and continue to do the open mic nights now at the comedy store and meet every comedian on the planet and create all these fraternal relationships. And then he started his podcast. And when he did, you're miles ahead of where he started. He sucked for four years. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you look at some of his very first podcast, he had like fish or something going across the screen. It was dark. The audio wasn't working. They spent two hours. It was Christmas Eve. It was him and his uh, buddy there, Brian Redmond. And they were... um they were just talking like two drunk guys trying to set up a microphone and stuff. And that was the very first podcast he did. It didn't get a lot better for a long time after that. They were getting lighting working on Ustream. And so he had to figure this stuff out, but what got him, the the thing that was visibility, he had great guests that people wanted to talk to. And uh, he it was visible. People knew the name because he was on Fear Factor. He was doing MMA uh, commentary and all that kind of stuff. So he wasn't. He didn't have to pay for advertising. I have to say yeah, on my podcast, and people oh, podcast, what's that? And go check it out. And then his, his audience grew from that. Yeah. So he he's not a great interviewer. He he's he's smart in a lot of different subjects. He knows a lot of, of about a, a little about everything, which is good to have when you're an interviewer. He's a good listener. And he's good at being non-confrontational and really not, you know, even if he has a different opinion, not getting all huffy about it. So that's that's a success formula. So it's repeatable. I don't think anybody else is going to be signing a $110 million a year deal anytime soon, but it's a repeatable, success formula. And it proved to the rest of us, if you can do it and do it well, uh, there is a road to um, real, you know, financial stability in it as well as doing what you love so sure. um that's my take on rogan uh, just because you brought it up who else <laughs> you, who else do you like as pod- podcasters
1: um i mean really that as far as interview podcasts is really though i mean uh, yeah. logan paul this is gonna oh. be kind of this is very niche i feel like right the yeah. paul's podcast uh where it's just you know but then it, it kind of goes to where you you're saying they had a previous experience that p- previous network of people that they had on the show um yeah i think for for me like they're they that's super important right like i've had if i've had the podcast for you know two years on and off I've, i kind of would touch it a little bit i had a day job so i couldn't really couldn't put my full effort into it but um you know, having that guest will promote it well, and will give your show credibility. Like I was talking to the guy that I interviewed; he also has a podcast, and uh, he said, "Yeah, I just had one guest that uh, was really big, and then you know the rest of them started to come, and and you know you have that social proof, and you know it, it's it goes to sales into sales too, right? But uh, you know, for me, I was comfortable just having it be my homies. I'm sharpening my sword. I'm trying to figure out the cadence of this thing." but it was natural in the sense of like, I genuinely love, like, I'd always think like, you know, when you're growing up, everyone's like, what do you want to do for a living? You want to do what you love? Well, I was like, well, what do I love? You know, I love hanging out with my homies. I love just, you know, shooting the shit. I love talking shit. I love joking around with my friends. So I was like, okay, well, this is an incredible platform for me to do that. If people want to listen, they can listen. But right now I'm definitely incorporating more of like the like business end of it, you would say, in the sense of like, I'm trying to be more consistent, trying to have, you know, different guests just to kind of, uh, you know, grow it out. So, you know, I agree. I appreciate that advice, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes yeah. sense. It, a- you,
0: you, it seems you figured out the, the key to happiness at a very young age. Most people don't even, until they're all ready to kick at an old age, they finally realize what you just said is, number one, asking yourself what you're really passionate about, what you love to do, find your purpose. And I, I funny enough, I had a guest on just a couple of days ago who told me, you don't find your purpose it's triggered it you so you say you're sharpening your sword i would say that's the perfect thing to be doing right now it's just do it for the process and for the love of it and the more you do it the more windows and doors to opportunities and and ways you might go you'll discover but you know there's so many people walking the planet right now and why there's so much misery? I believe is some of those people never even examined what their purpose might be. If it were ever presented them to, they didn't notice, and they so they live this job of punching a clock on life. Where I come, I arrive at birth, I punch my clock, I go, I put in my 20 years of childhood, and then I raise a family, I get married, I buy a house. They have my kids have kids, I become a grandparent, and then I collect social security and I punch out and that's my life and what was your legacy what did you do what was your purpose why were you born why did you live what what exists on this planet to show that uh, your life made a difference in any way
1: yeah i mean you said it like i i i'm very fortunate because i had to have these questions answered at a young age just because like i had great parents that made me feel like anything was possible that made me feel like you know, you're smart enough if you just put in the hard, hard work, if you keep, you know, staying humble, you trust God, you know, things that things are going to work out. And for most people, for a good amount of people, I feel like they don't have that type of support or maybe encouragement um, from their parents. You know, a lot of people say like psychologists say you need a you know, the father offers encouragement. Um, a lot of people don't have that or maybe they don't have either one to, to provide the, that type of encouragement. And also, like people don't even know that that like doing not doing the nine to five is uh, even an option. Right. So they don't e- they don't even look to see yeah. if that's you. And as I get older, you know, I'm only 26. Actually, my birthday's tomorrow. It's turn 26 tomorrow. Happy birthday! So, thank you. I appreciate that. It's
0: my anniversary tomorrow too. So we have that in common. My, I, I, I got. Heard I got that. <laughs> I wanted to pr- bring that
1: in the show at some point. I didn't know how I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Like we have, this uh, like, but uh, yeah, like it, uh, it just, as I get older, I realize like, wow, people aren't doing things because they haven't even like, they don't, it's not, it doesn't even hit, like hit their radar that they can do something else. Right. And for me, I mean, I was born in Israel, you know, I've been blessed to travel a little bit, you know, these big, you know, to Ethiopia, it's Israel. I'm like, okay, like I've seen things. My dad was like doing like traveled a lot. So like it kind of opens your mind up psychologically to the rest of the world and to more possibilities and be like, oh, I'm Ethiopian. I've been around people from so many different cultures my whole life. I realize we're all really the same. Like for me to think that I can't do this, the only difference between someone up here is not because they're like this celebrity big person it's like you know they're a person that's lived life maybe worked really hard maybe had some temperaments but they had a set of circumstances that can you know more or less be duplicated as you were saying um and they can reach their goals so for me i i'm just super fortunate and i think for me i'm trying to like encourage the people around me or people listening or you know, to just say like, "Hey, like, you know, if you want it, you know, the world is yours. You got, you know, God forbid, you, you know, you got 80 years on this planet. You know, it's, you, you know, you bridge that gap one inch every
0: day." Myvitalc.com/slash/minddog. You can get 150 years on this planet, buddy. Uh, <laughs> what is that? It, uh, my my guest from two days ago has this uh, supplement that he's developed. Uh, he started in 1991 when he was a college student. Uh, it's, it's SES Research, if you want to look it up. But he has this supplement now. It's uh, called ESS-60. Uh, they mix it with olive oil and in test uh, for a lot of testing. They did it to test the toxicity of it because it was assumed it would be a toxic chemical. What they found was it increased mammal lifespan. It doubled mammal lifespan so uh, uh the the species and they use these rats that are very close to uh humans more closer to humans than they are to any other rodent they their physiology and they tested them and it, pro- pro- it not only uh uh prolonged their lifespan doubled their lifespan got rid of no tumors tumor free uh, and the That's quality cool. the quality of life they were more energetic they they just led better lives so he they started testing on humans about eight years ago or so, and the humans just are, are feeling they immediately uh, notice a difference in their sleep they get better sleep, they wake up more energetic they live yeah and this guy was fifty two years old. and He looked like he's twenty six, and uh, he he's been taking it. So they're going to be testing it on me. It's called myvitalc.com dot com slash dog wow. and use the code, coupon code MindDog to get fifteen percent off your order. But I'm going to be trying it for three months, and he's going to come back, and we're going to discuss how it how it worked on me. So. Okay. I'm interested. Uh, but so you say 80 years. He says, well, he said 135, 140, but really double your lifespan. If if you take it at the average lifespan now, 76, that would be 152. Uh,
1: <laughs> man, I don't know if I want to be out here that long. Well, that that's
0: what I said. But man. the reason you say that is because you're assuming you're I going to get enough. old and the quality of life is going to go down. You don't want to be in a wheelchair and not being able to think or talk. Fair enough. Fair enough. But if you if you could maintain the life and on somewhat of the great cognitive ability you have now and your physicality, uh, and and say keep that for 120 years, I think you'd sign up for it and say, yeah, sure. I man, I'd- I don't know anything that's
1: not natural. I'm super. <laughs> I'm a I'm a vegan though. Like I'm like next level. Like I'm kind of like annoying with that. So yeah, yeah,
0: I I hear that. I, more more people I talk to are, are like that. You complete vegan. No, not like shampoos and like you know people right. like thinking right. right. like so you you'll sit on a couch if it's made of leather.
1: yeah, exactly like, <laughs> you know, like uh like if there's a sauce like I, my friend, he's so annoying, my friend Clifton, every time like I'll be like, hey, is there is there honey in that or like is there is there dairy in that like if there's a sauce, that has it like i don't I, I'm not like tyrannical about it. it's mainly just for like health you know reasons and but I don't have any dairy or any uh, milk any eggs any meat anything like that but if H-
0: you know honey like, if it's, if it's, honey, it's, honey is that I didn't even realize because honey comes from bees that it was kind of thought, but it's not like you you take most of the vegans i know are are started that way because of uh sympathy for the animals i want to say oh empathy with with animals and thinking well i don't want to kill something to 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 sustain my life so but so my reasoning i mean not
1: that i don't have sympathy for animals of course but that i'm just going to be transparent that's not my reasoning it's mainly it's for selfish health reasons i just feel
0: better Uh, so so uh what what's for dinner tonight have you thought about it (laughs) and i have not definitely not chicken I'll tell you that much. Uh, definitely <laughs> not chicken. I can't say that it's definitely not chicken, but I don't know. I don't I don't plan on dinner. I I eat when I get starved. I wait till I'm completely starving and then eat the most convenient thing as quickly as I can.
1: Oh no, that sounds horrible. I know. Even if the most convenient thing is McDonald's.
0: Oh no, I g well, I, I don't You don't go that. that dark. I don't, mean, like, no, I don't I mean I mean it's it's available for me to eat immediately. I don't have gotcha. to leave the house. It's it's. has oh, got gotcha, th- gotcha, gotcha, I open gotcha. the refrigerator and eat whatever is on the top shelf. Gotcha,
1: <laughs> gotcha. Okay, this is way different than I thought. I was like the most convenient when you're out and about, you know, is not gonna be the best thing for you. I'll say that
0: No, much. I'm not a big fan of Uber Eats either having stuff delivered to me and, and that kind of stuff. I got the podcast link up. It's a long one. Uh, just look. Just go to Apple and, and put in yeah, a Yoel Hangouts. Yoel is spelled like Joel in Yo-El's with, with a Y. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, so yeah, this has been a really interesting podcast. I'm glad you came by. I'm glad we finally got this together. It was uh, a long haul trying to get here, but we got it. We got yeah, it. No, we got appreciate it. you having me. I thank you. It was fun. Uh, I'd love to have you back any time Are you part uh, any part of uh, any of these uh, podcasting network groups? Because uh, on social media, because that's where I meet a lot of potentially interesting guests, but also get some uh, cross promotion and stuff like that that gotcha. can help people. Are you part of them? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, oh, well, I yeah, maybe email, email it to me if that's cool. Or you can tell me right now or you simply- know I, I will definitely send you an email of, of a bunch because there's a lot of things that, that are in, in there also i want to uh, talk to you about you know i'm trying to start like a network uh where and not necessarily as a buy-in or anything like that if you keep on doing your podcast as, as it is but just a way that we can collectively help each other grow you know podcasters can help each other grow and since i have actually created a pretty big audience pretty quickly i feel like i have some stuff that i can share with people uh, and i i definitely want to help other podcasters start ma- especially the good ones out there because there are so many out there that just you know everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and i think there's too many not i think niches is a ba- uh, can be terrible because we could tie it into this my podcast is all about sexual abuse and I'll, I'll, that's what we're going to talk about every single day of the week uh, or my podcast is all about whatever and it's all they ever talk about yeah, i've never
1: really been i've i've never seen the sustainability in something like that right. i've never seen that be practical for me
0: right and once you've had that conversation once it's done with and so let's talk about something else now <laughs> uh so i'm i'm starting a network and i want to talk to you about that if you'd like to be part of that, i'd like to invite you in in on it so um, uh let me know yeah so it's been great do you uh how often you're doing the podcast and when's the next one do i I know you said you just did one yesterday yeah i just recorded it
1: yesterday so it should be out i send it to my editors and then um, i try to make sure the video is out as well as on spotify and itunes so it should be out tuesday um, I'm okay. gonna probably average around three, um, three uh, a week. So, wow, yeah. good. it might be a little late because my birthday. You know how that goes. Yeah, um, so- three a week for sure, 100%.
0: What do you do for your birthday? How do you? How are you gonna celebrate?
1: Man, this is the first birthday where I'm being really lame. Like, all my friends are like, "What are you doing? Like, what are we gonna do?" You know, I'm like, this is where <laughs> I'm like, I need. I want to rest. Like, one of my friends was like, one of my roommates was like, "Hey, man, like, what if I got you a massage for your birthday?" I'm like. Yes. I do not want to party. I do not want to, you know, all my friends are like, when's the party? But I want to just chill. I want to maybe watch some TV, do the massage. Like,
0: oh, that that's that's the (laughs) place
1: I'm in right now. Like i'm yeah. trying to
0: i'm just thinking back to my 26 i don't remember my 26th birthday all too well but uh uh i remember a feeling of being that young and it actually felt like i was getting too old at the time i i i've had this complex of my whole life about uh in my 20s i felt like i was aging too fast uh, i was judging myself against rock stars and people who were uh because those were those those what I wanted to be at that time, and so I thought in my twenty late twenties, after I passed twenty five, I thought I was getting old. So I know I thought I was getting old at twenty twenty six or so. Thirty was like the death, the you know. <laughs> I know everyone's like, when you turn thirty, it's over. Right, and then I had to, I had it even worse at forty and then at 50 I was just like oh my god cuz then you got to start getting your your uh, colon checked every year and all that kind of stuff when you turn yeah. 50 so so I was all, all my life had midlife crises or or now I'm turning 60 and I actually enjoyed when well, I, I am over 60 now but I remember turning 60 uh last year and it it felt uh, liberating in a way. Like, wow, I can't believe I lived long enough to say I'm 60. It's a sh- It was shocking to me to actually be it. And now I kind of take pride in it. Like, I feel like, yeah, I'm su- I'm a success in that I survived.
1: <laughs> for, sure, for sure. No, you are. I mean, especially I- I'm sure you've had many people pass away
0: in your life. Oh, lifetime. like flies. Like, they drop like yeah. flies. And all- in- in every-, every decade, you start to lose more and more. But more- in your 50s, it's like everybody you went to high school with, everybody you knew your whole life starts dying and there's just a, f- a few of us left so for sure for sure yeah so i w- i wish you great success though and a happy birthday and, and uh, enjoy your youth enjoy your podcast and y- yoel anytime i'm serious i enjoy having this conversation with you anytime you want to come back please come back just I, drop I will. me a note I will, for sure yeah cool stay in touch my friend and I, I will send you an email shortly cool bye for now peace this out this episode is brought to you by put me in the story Put Me in the Story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% stall-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by Vapor DNA. Founded in 2013, Vapor DNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code OrionQ. Yoel from Yoel's Hangouts. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that program. I hope you tell your friends about it and come on back. Subscribe. Why not subscribe while you're at it? Let me take this... uh, podcast link the podcast link will be in the description so it's nice and clickable you don't have to go really looking for it on apple i'll make it nice and clickable for you uh i hope you enjoyed this program come on back subscribe go to my youtube channel subscribe there go to minddogtv.com and get on my mailing list so you know what i'm going to have great guests uh on and questions and comments for me info at minddogtv.com info at minddogtv.com uh and once again tonight At 8 p.m., I got a great show for you, Howard Bloom. If you don't know who Howard Bloom is, Howard Bloom is an eccentric kind of guy. Uh, He's a guy who was involved in the rock music world. He was a PR uh, publicist for people like Prince and Billy Joel and Styx and, and many others in the early 1980s. Kind of went through a period of burnout. Came back as an author who writes books about the big things. The big questions in life. He's got a book out called uh, The God Problem. I know he wrote a a book about... Uh, Mohammed that was uh, very controversial in his time. His latest book is both Einstein, Michael Jackson, and me, uh, Search for Soul in the Pits of uh, Rock and Roll. So, it's uh, going to be a very interesting conversation. Join me tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern. Till then, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV Podcast. Thanks for coming, have a great day, and bye for now. like we made